1: Welcome to Wood Talk Online Radio, for woodworkers, by woodworkers. Now, here are the three guys who actually are under the illusion that woodworking is cool. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. That's right, it's episode 73 for September 7th, 2010. And you may have noticed there's a new intro and also a new title, which is something a little bit weird. It's right, we're changing from Wood Talk Online to Wood Talk Online Radio. And there's more to it than just adding another word to to the existing three words. We'll get into that in a little <laughs> bit. Um, now, today I just wanted to quickly go over some of the topics we're going to go over. Uh, let's see, we're going to be discussing a number of delicious delectable woodworking nuggets like uh, what's been keeping us busy all summer that'll be a good one Uh, woodworking styles and things that you should probably get to know concerning woodworking styles our favorite recent woodworking articles that we came across and some cool crap that's going on in the forums so before we get to all that Matt if you want to could you uh, let them know how they can get in touch with us
2: yeah, that's probably somebody calling in the background right now for us, but uh, you know, there's a couple of different ways that you can get a hold of us if you ever have a comment, a question, or a suggestion about something that you have either going to hear today or maybe something that you'd like to hear in an upcoming episode. You can reach us by email at woodtalkonline at gmail.com, or you can pick up the phone and leave us a message on our voicemail, which is 623-242-2450. And you can also find all three of us on Twitter as, well, I'm at MBW Podcast, Mark is at Wood Whisperer, and Shannon is at RenaissanceWW. And we're even on the Facebook, too, as Betty White would say. (laughs) But you know what? uh, (laughs) You can also catch us causing trouble in the brand-new forum over at WoodTalkOnline.com. Wow, I almost messed that up. I didn't even know the name of our own show anymore. <laughs> yeah, how
1: do you mess that one up? Jeez.
2: <laughs> but we have a new forum over there at woodtalkonline.com. And you know what? Actually, that's going to lead me right into, you know, Mark, why don't you explain a little bit more about this Wood Talk Online radio? Because obviously it's messing me up and I'm I'm afraid a few other people are going to get confused about it because I'm not even sure if I'm on the right show, to be quite honest. Yeah, you know, frankly, I just like
1: stirring things up, confusing people, changing names arbitrarily. <laughs> Um, yeah,
2: you're a poopster. AM
1: or FM? What's our What's our call sign? Uh, it is T O R. Yeah, let's go AM. But um, basically, all we're doing is kind of, sort of compartmentalizing some of the things that we offer at the Wood Whisper and the Wood Talk Online. You know that that was a a great little side project, and we really want to bring it out to be something more special something that's uh, on a regular schedule that's a little bit more um, takes a lot more of our focus frankly uh, for all three of us to to put it together so the idea was to change our forum we've always had a forum and it's always been kind of just an extension of the wood whisperer but now i want wood talk online to be everybody's thing it's the community wood talk online right. is the community and community is wood talk online that's the forum so woodtalkonline.com is is now the main address for the forum. So if you haven't been there yet, definitely go there, open up an account, and there's a ton. Uh, this is so much busier than any other version of the forum we've ever had before. So oh, that's I'm, excellent. I mean, I don't know if you guys have been there every day, but the I personally cannot keep up with the posts. It's, it's more than I can handle.
2: Yeah, I've almost gotten written up a couple of times at work <laughs> now that we've started it, even in those early days when there's just a few people walking around, because yeah. I was like, I'm going to go there, and I'm going to check this now, and then Oh, it's been 20 minutes since I signed on? Well, crap. Oh, well, hey. (laughs) Yeah, dude. I mean, there's a lot going on there. So if you guys haven't been there, check it
1: out. And the idea is Wood Talk Online Radio is just an extension of the community. And it's the three of us talking about things that are going on in the community. It's the same Wood Talk Online podcast that we've been doing, except for it's a little bit more connected to the forum and the community specifically. So that's where this is all coming from, and hopefully we'll have new and better and more awesomer cooler stuff uh, down the line as we experiment a little bit and, and try to really expand this into something awesome.
2: Right, absolutely. That, that's the goal. I say we stick with it that because is. you know how we go on a tangent. So who knows where we'll end up with this thing. We'll probably, like, be like competing against Oprah eventually, like Wood Talk Online, radio, the cable network.
1: Or we may yeah. just start talking about knitting. So. But, but yeah. they're
2: awesome tangents.
1: That's right. Yeah. Fantastic tangents. Awesome. We just the need. A, are awesome. I think we need a tangent show. I mean, really just nothing. We start off with one topic and then nothing else planned and we just let it roll. <laughs> it I, I'm free. Something. Let's do
2: it on Thursday.
1: Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, let me jump right into the, the stuff that's been on my bench, aside from getting the forum set up and getting that whole thing rolling. Uh, the Chest of Drawers build. If you've been to my site, you can't miss it. I've been talking about it constantly. Got a few pictures here for you to take a look at. Uh, This Chest of drawers was an eight-week project for the Guild. It probably would have taken me maybe two weeks to do this if I didn't have a camera and constantly having to document every painstaking part of the process. Uh, But it took eight weeks in total, about six and a half hours of video, and we'll be putting that out on two DVDs pretty soon. But you can get a kind of closer look here. We did some cool stuff experimenting with the drawers there's a dovetail rabbit joint on the drawers which is reinforced with some dowels that was a lot of fun a little little variation there you know trying to to show that there's a lot more options than just your traditional dovetails that everybody seems to uh to hold on a on a you know on a, on a tra- pedestal pedestal that's the word i'm looking for thank you matt didn't Ain't didn't no the green brothers call that a z joint i don't know I'll have to something ask like them. that.
3: Or, I can see or, how that could be because
2: it, it does have the Z-ish look. Yeah,
3: yeah, let me go back to that. Yeah, it's something. I don't know. Yeah, were really could.
2: Woodworking in America last year. Is, is Zorro. Is that what it is? It's the Zorro. <laughs> that was yeah. it. was the Zorro joint. It
1: could very well be. To me, it's a dovetail rabbit joint, but, you know, there could be some other name for it that I don't even know. Uh, but I thought it was cool. It's kind of like just to play on a rabbit joint, but a little bit stronger. Uh, and that's really what's been taking up all my attention for the past two weeks. And frankly, I'm, or not two weeks, two months <laughs> Frankly, I, I am not sad to, to see it go. I'm just one of those projects and I'm, I'm you know, was happy I did it and I'm just ready to move on to something else now.
2: That's right. So ready to take the, the next step.
3: Yes. I'm curious, though. You used um, the general finishes, uh, Endurovar, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. For the finish? Yep. How is like the inside of it? I know you didn't put the same number of coats, but did it, you know, how long did you have to let it off gas before you felt comfortable putting socks in there?
1: Uh, Well, I only treated the inside just if I don't want to get too much into the details, but I did use Charles Neal's blotch control formula, not because I was expecting much blotching out of this. Granted, I did use cherry, but I wasn't using an oil-based finish that would have caused blotching or stain that would have caused blotching. Just a water-based finish wouldn't have been bad. But uh, you have to raise the grain, right, when you use water-based finishes. So I figured, hey, why not use something that actually has a little bit of finish in it And that was his, you know, the formula he has has, you know, it's not only like water-based finish, but also PVA glue. It's a really cool mixture of stuff, but it kind of is mostly water, you know. So I figured, let me pre-raise the grain with something that's got something uh, of a protective quality and a sealing quality in it. So I did one coat of that over the entire thing, including the inside and then on the rest of the interior parts, I put one and maybe if I thought of it when I was doing the second coat, I sprayed it as well. So not a huge substantial buildup of a film inside, but uh, just enough to kind of seal it off and make it nice and clean. Um, As far as how much time? A couple days really, and the the off-gassing on this stuff isn't too bad. I think within 24 hours, the vast majority of, of what you're going to experience is pretty much run its course, and honestly, by the time I took it in the house, the smell that it brought to the house was really, really pleasant. It was almost, I don't even know how to, it wasn't chemical smelling at all. It was more woody. It just smelled like a, a, a fresh piece of wood. Like, I don't really know how else to describe it, but my bedroom has smelled great for the last, you know, five days. I love it. So, um, so anything, you know, if anything with it, it's a, it's a very pleasant experience when you bring that water-based finished product into the house. It had a
3: nice heady nose. Yeah. It's a fruity bouquet.
1: <laughs> something like that, yeah. But I pretty much, you know, it's just my socks. What do I care? So I did throw my socks in there right away. Uh, but but it, it didn't take that long. That's kind of the advantage of those those water based finishes. So,
2: but that was me, uh, Matt. How about you? Oh, it's it's definitely been a a, a busy summer, but uh, not necessarily in a, in a good woodworker kind of way. I was really hoping to be able to jump in on the uh, chest of drawers build, but right. Yeah, no, that didn't happen. You know, <laughs>
1: not in the cards.
2: <laughs> no, not at all. Not, even, not anywhere near the deck. In fact, I'm with somebody. I'm with a completely different deck, to be quite honest with you. Some people would say I'm a few cards short of a full deck. <laughs> but um, one thing I did do, and I think I sent you a, a picture. Of this I don't know if you have it available. But I started to work on my Ron Brees small smoother kit. Okay. Now, this is something I bought. Um, oh, man, it was my birthday almost two years ago and uh, i promised ron i'd get right onto it right away and meanwhile this is now like i said a little over two years and i'm finally getting to it and but i'm really excited about this my goal is to have this finished before we go to woodworking in america and you, you can see the kit right there that's everything that's included with it one thing that's a little bit different now is apparently in that time span between when i bought it and when i started to work on it uh ron and i started talking and said hey do you have uh, everything you need i'm like yeah let "You get your drill press Let's- Uh, the drill press. Uh, (laughs) I I happen to have sold my small one. I want to get a bigger one and I don't have it right now. So Uh, He needed to drill some holes for me so that I could get things working on it a little bit more. So that set me back just a little bit. Mm. And I'm putting a really nice piece of uh, East Indian rosewood in there. And I think you already showed showed the block of wood for that. Um, It's going to look absolutely gorgeous when I get done with this. But it it has been one of those things that I really should have started on it shortly after I I bought it because there's several instructions where – trying something different, a different style that he's putting out there as a kid just to experiment with it. And apparently I've blown that experiment time uh, <laughs> right. constraints that he had, but we're, we're still working a little bit on it. He's going to kind of feed me through a few of the things I need to do to, to finish it up the right way. Mm-hmm. But when it's done, I, it's going to look absolutely beautiful.
1: Do you have any uh, idea at all anticipating how much time you expect that to take?
2: Really, to be honest with you, if I could devote um, one solid day I could pretty much have it completed. No kidding. It's it's that easy. Really, the hardest part with this is um, getting the wood all set up for it, waiting for the wood to properly acclimate.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, But once you have that, everything in the kit is included, and maybe a weekend for, like, uh, the epoxy to set up and for – you have to do a little – um, painting of the uh, is that the right word? Of, of of the screws that you'll put in there, and then you do just a, some mild metal work to kind of bring everything down level and mm-hmm. the way you want it. But this type of kit could easily be done in a weekend. Wow, yeah, awesome. and it's it's absolutely in the price difference for the small smoother. If Ron was to make it, I think it starts about 900 to to $1,000, something like that, depending on what material you go with. Yeah, and the, the kit itself is uh, about half that. So, wow. so we're still yeah, talking
1: I, a pretty pricey, you know, it's a chunk of change there.
2: Yes. Yes, it is. It, this was a birthday gift to myself, which then I came home and still expected gifts from the rest of the family because I bought my own gift. <laughs> right. I don't know why they didn't shell out extra money for me. So I was a little upset that birthday. Because the family um, funds were depleted. <laughs> yeah, that was exactly I'm like, what do you mean I didn't get a cake? Like, I don't know what happened to the money in the, in, the, in the account. We should call the bank. Maybe somebody broke in. So we had that little issue. Nice. But. The big thing that I, I, I did, oh, I actually did start another project on the side, but that one, again, kind of got pushed a little bit because I had a really, really big project come up, and I, I sent you a little video of this. Uh, some of you know that my, my wife is a uh, a professional photographer, and she's opening her own studio right now. In fact, we've got a little video up here, and this is what the studio space started out as. This is actually an old Lazy Boy warehouse and manufacturing building that they used to have.
1: That's a lot and, of space. I mean, what's the square footage there?
2: Uh, 2,600 square feet. Wow. Yeah, and it was, it was horrible. The, there was paint all over the place, and we, we managed to get most of the paint off the brick, uh, the old paint. We were able to scrape the all the wood. We just finished up the floors. In fact, that's uh, our, our friend Kurt who was uh, out there helping me with it. In fact, he did most of the work. I just showed up and would point at things, and then he would roll his eyes. <laughs> And we ended up doing this. The funny thing is the, the people that were in there before us. Oh, this is me with my uh, big sander that we rented. Mm. Um, I advise not using it on furniture, uh, but. And, <laughs> not any that, that you care about.
1: <laughs> wow. So this, that's, that's a huge, you got to be thinking in your head. You just want to bring your tools in there and open yes, up the shop, seriously. right? <laughs> oh, yeah. the, the
2: cargo elevator is amazing. It's one of those, like you have to actually control it because it doesn't have preset stops for the floors. And it's big enough. You could easily roll a car in there and take it up and down. And I'm like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I need to get my shop up and running.
1: Oh, look at all those windows. You know, screw this oh photography God. crap, man. Can you imagine just setting up your workbench by those windows and having a nice view and let the breeze come in? Oh, Seriously, aren't all those windows
3: just going to put glare on the photo shoot? You should move mm-hmm. her into the basement.
1: Yeah.
2: I, I, I suggested something like that, too. It's $600 for 2,600 square feet, and it already has a history of building furniture in there. Wow. So yeah, it and it's and to be honest, where where it's located is uh um only a few miles from where my old uh, lumber supplier was. So that's even more perfect. Uh, perfect you could just roll it right in.
1: Jeez. But
2: yeah, so that's like where I've been making
3: a much. very strong case there. I think we need to change the name of the show to Matt's Really Cool Workshop.
2: There <laughs> you <know>. go. <laughs> big the... ass, lots of window shops. Oh, man. The, the natural light, in fact, that day when I shot most of that stuff, the, the part after we had painted it, um, it was really cloudy out, but we were still getting that much natural light rolling through. So that was that was pretty exciting. But that was my July until this weekend, and we still have just a little bit more to do. And that was like every weekend. Uh, as many week nights as I possibly could. So that might be a reason why I didn't get much accomplished. <laughs> that's
1: a good excuse. I mean, I wish her the best of luck with the business. That's,
2: uh, that's oh. very cool. Thank you. Yeah, she better do something with it. Otherwise, yeah, I will be moving in.
1: Well, the pressure's on at this point. I mean, you're renting Indeed. space, right? You don't have much choice. She's got to start making some money.
2: Exactly. I said, you're going to be down there every day. I don't care if you're just sitting there <laughs> flinging paper clips across the room.
1: All right. There you go. All right. Shannon, I hope you had a little more time for some woodworking this summer. I did.
3: I was very busy this summer. Um, well, first thing on our last episode, we were talking about what was on the bench then. And at the time I was telling you about a picnic table that had collapsed under the snow. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, oh, yeah. And that, uh, that was transformed into a set of Adirondack chairs that are sitting on my front porch right now. Oh, beautiful. So, what was so cool is um, they've aged a little bit in spot now. They've kind of got like this speckled pattern to them. Some of the wood was a little bit lighter than the other, but hmm. I just put a you know, a top coat of, um, I think I had polyacrylic sitting around the, the house. I didn't really care too much because it's redwood. It would age naturally. I just wanted a little bit of something to kind of slick it up a little bit. Sure. And they came out really well. Looks good. Um, do you have that, that other picture I sent you, Mark, of what the wood used to look like?
1: Uh, is it this one with the dark uh, weathered look?
3: Yeah. Ooh. That just floored me. I mean, the, obviously the one on top is what the wood looked like as it came off the table. And then yeah. as I you know, jointed it and planed it, just this absolutely beautiful, um, in most cases, it was quarter sawn redwood underneath. Wow. Just hiding cool.
1: beneath the surface. That's awesome.
3: Yeah. It, oh, wow. it came out really well. And now we, you know, stuck a citronella candle out there between them and pretty much spend just about every night sitting on the front porch we we aged about forty years this summer. We just sat sort on of the front porch,
1: <laughs> yelling at the kids that while yelling at the now. kids, that's great.
2: You, you got your grape knee highs with each other. What? <laughs> you, you got your grape knee highs. Your, two of your are yes. drinking uh, drink there. Absolutely, they're argyle <laughs> and a sweater. Actually, I
3: borrowed that sweater from you. Nice. That uh, let's great. see what else. Um, I was all ready to jump into the Chester George build. In fact, I started you know researching and playing around with ball and claw feet. Um, and I finally have produced three ball and claw feet. It took me all summer, but I have a third foot now. Um, and that, hey, and there it is. That um, came out pretty well. That, that picture was taken. I had you know, a little bit of just kind of filing and sanding to do, but I was it's pretty psyched. It was one of those things where it's kind of like when you first cut your, your first set of hand-cut dovetails. Oh, yeah. Like Set it up on a pedestal for a long, long time, and then you do it, and you're like, wow, that really wasn't that hard. Yeah. And I did that and literally it's like carving by numbers. You right. know, by the time you lay the the foot out, it's okay, carve to this line, now connect that line, that plane to this line right. and file until it's smooth. Did, did mean, you
1: follow any particular plan or guide when you did it or Um
3: <laughs> that's funny cuz there's something in the forum that I wanted to talk about earlier that leads into this, the whole idea of <laughs> Uh, avoidance woodworking right, you right start researching all these different things mm-hmm. i did some researching i must have found i think 20 or 25 different ways to carve a ball and claw foot oh, geez. and i quickly had to jump out of that pool and just <laughs> grab one and i ended up um grabbing an old issue of the society of american period furniture maker their their annual journal they push out mm-hmm. and it was um Gene Landon's version which he also did something for finewoodworking.com uh, a while back and uh, I think you can probably find that on the on the website in the archives but what I liked about it is it was just like three tools okay. um two bench chisels and three carving tools and that was it really nice. and actually even one of the carving tools was kind of a uh, um, an an optional type thing just for carving the webbing right there at the uh, at the ankle but really you know it's almost Almost a little disappointing when you do it. You're like, wow, that was really easy. (laughs) That's all I've been. You know, I've held this up and I thought these people were such great carvers for such a long time. But then again,
1: (laughs) you know, I suppose
3: if you, so once you start trying to model it after like, you know, an antique and like a Newport style foot, this is a Philadelphia style foot. So that the claws, the talons themselves really aren't that hard, mm -hmm. but like a Newport foot where they actually undercut behind the toes, that's a different story. I imagine that's a little bit harder to do.
1: Uh, it's one of those things that I try to explain to people, especially folks who are new to the craft, is, is like, of course there's some skill and there's practice and there's a lot of that that goes into it. And then you go to advanced level stuff that takes even more skill. But the vast majority of these things are nothing more than a series of steps. And some some people know the steps and some people don't. Some people are patient enough to do all the steps properly and some people want to rush through them so the quality suffers. But it's really, you know, for the most part, a lot of this stuff just comes down to a series of steps.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's so process-oriented. In fact, I did two, uh, two of the feet that I did, I actually did while I was working one Saturday at the Stepping Stone Museum mm-hmm. and, you know, with people coming and going and stopping every now and then it's, it's only open three hours on Saturday. So um, I think I probably did each foot in about an hour and a half when you factor in all the stopping and starting and stuff. But right. um, even with all that distraction, you're able to turn them out. So it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. Yep. Um, so then I was ready to jump into the chest of drawers build with that. And then my wife suddenly commissioned me to build a bookshelf and well, <laughs> I kind of trumps everything so then I built a small bookcase and I built it on a Heppelwhite design that I found in George Heppelwhite's design book this is it right before I put the uh the primer on because she decided the last minute she wanted painted it which you know is fine it actually came out really well but I was like man I shouldn't have spent so much time on that joinery because I could have just covered it up <laughs> I could have used wood putty to cover those <laughs> gaps in those dovetails but it was a lot of fun there's it's kind of hard to see in this picture and it's hard to see in any of the pictures i took but it's a um it's got an integral case bead molding on it Mm -hmm. so i've done cock bead molding around drawers before but i've never done the beading on the inside of the case Um, that came out really well it's got sliding dovetails for the center drawer and the french feet on the bottom was a lot of fun to do and i finished the whole thing off with a um, some primer and a coat of paint and a top coat of wax and um, came out really well. I was really happy with it. Nice. You know, the good news is, is I built it. Oh, I, I I could have just built the box and she would have stuck books in it, but this sits in her office, which basically, you know, 300 people walk by every single day. Mm-hmm. So I figured I might as well pimp it out and make it look really cool. And she, so <laughs> far she's gotten like a whole bunch of comments and school's only been back in session for a week. So it's been a, been good. Maybe I'll get a commission out of it. You never
2: know.
1: Yeah, exactly, man. It looks fantastic. Very nice. It does.
2: It looks really, really nice.
3: Very I want to cool. build another one though, and actually do it in walnut, like be more authentic. Hepplewhite walnut with a nice shellac finish and maybe some inlay or something on it. But there just wasn't time to get it done on this one. Always time, no, time right?
1: <laughs>
2: Shake it up and put those uh, claw feet on it. That'd really throw people off. What
1: <laughs> style is that?
2: <laughs> Heppledale.
1: It's Heppledale. <laughs> Heppledale.
2: So, um,
1: other than that,
3: I spent, I mean, I spent a lot of time in the shop this summer. I did a lot of kind of designing. Um, I've got huge amounts of exotic wood that I'm just trying to use up and make maybe a bunch of boxes and just stick them up on Etsy or just give them to people at Christmas. I've gotten to the point where, and I'm I'm probably gonna have to turn in my woodworker card for this, but (laughs) the exotic scrap is getting in the way.
1: Frankly, yeah, I need
3: to build something out of it because it's like overflowing one corner of my shop.
1: Yeah, and you don't want I've to get got, rid of it. You got to use it for something. Oh, I can't get rid of it. I've got like a Boyna burl in there,
3: and I've got some marble wood and satin wood. I have a blank of snake wood sitting on a shelf. It's like I've got to do something with this. Yeah. So I think um, I was just kind of drawing up some designs for, you know, some simpler boxes when using such exotic kind of highly figured wood. You don't want it to be too crazy of a design or it just looks too busy. So something nice and simple with crazy figured burl wood would look really cool. Sure. Something that I can like produce five or six of the same one relatively quickly. And I don't know, like I said, stick them up on Etsy. And if I make a few bucks, that's cool. Batch so, them out, um,
1: make a couple bucks. Why not?
3: Yeah. Great. And then, exotic
2: wood cup holders.
3: Nice. <laughs> I like it. Coasters. So I will be getting to the Chester drawers build ideally in the next couple of weeks. Um, that I'll be putting those, well, not those feet, but I'll be putting cherry versions of those feet on the bottom of it.
1: Sure. Nice. Well, looking That's forward funny. to it, so you're going to, I assume, video the, the whole process, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. And and I think maybe because you had, what, six and a half hours of video? Yeah. I figured, yeah, I don't need to make any video this summer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what, our, summer our summer. <laughs> summer is just not a fun time to be making videos. Uh, just, just to let you know, kind of sucks, but <laughs> it was... But, Glad you know, I honestly, did it. Though, but, you know.
3: I ended up blogging the whole thing, and it was kind of fun. Um, it's been so long since I just like put the camera down and yeah. like took pictures and blogged a process. Yeah, I actually had a lot of fun with it. I mean, I, that hepa white chest, I, the whole thing is probably I don't know five or six blog posts. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, the response was really cool. I got lots of emails about it. So
1: yeah, pictures and words all of a sudden seem so much more relaxing <laughs> and simpler, like a return to simplicity after you've done enough videos. Um, I that's, found I found the same thing on my site.
2: You it's know? almost like going back to like arts and crafts. We're going to go from like the uh, the really highly orna- ornamented back right. to just very simple. So, folks, that's what we're actually doing with Wood Talk Online Radio. We're going to go okay. completely blogging. This is the last <laughs> Matt, one that is keeping us on topic tonight. Check that out. <laughs> I love it. I love it.
1: Yes. Well, you know what? That that's a that's a perfect segue because we do need to talk a little bit about styles. You know, that's a. Uh, I think this is a carryover from the last episode. Um, When we didn't actually get to everything and had too much to talk about. So let me just uh, read this email. It'll put us in the right mindset. And then we'll have a little discussion about this and go as far as it takes us. This is from Jeremy Hopkins. He wrote in and says, I know you have uh, provided a great service and have spent time perfecting the art of woodworking. Who's he talking to? Because he's not talking to me. Yeah,
2: not, definitely not me. Have you seen <laughs> the stuff I do? <laughs> uh,
1: it says at least as much as anything anything fluid is ever perfected. But I had a question concerning what you felt were the three styles of furniture that every woodworker should attempt, if not uh, if not feel that they have achieved some level of mastery over. Yes, I realize this is and this can open a can of worms as to what constitutes mastery, but that's not the field of this request. I'm more concerned about starting points than ending points of this particular moment. Uh, Should a woodworker attempt stickley, federal, or perhaps some other style, or does it remain in the best interest to rarely venture outside the shaker realm? I'm going to start off by saying don't do that. (laughs) Like the last thing, don't don't even think about doing that. Shaker is a great place to start, absolutely, because it's very simple. It's going to get you into a lot of mortise and tenon, just very simple square designs, not a whole lot of ornate stuff going on. Mm. There's no... Decorative elements, really very simple. Great place to start, but do not stay there because life will be relatively boring if you do. Right. Yeah,
3: it's kind of like a blank slate, you know. If yeah, you can get it is. Those basic forms down, you can do so much with it. I think the um, that little table build you did mm-hmm. was that two builds ago. Oh, the oh, shaker guild. the shaker table. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean that was the perfect example. When you look at the, yeah. the variety of tables that the guild members produced, you know some of it was just altering wood. You know, yeah. some crazy people added turned cabrio legs to it. I don't know what they were thinking. <laughs> I'm not you know, sure. But I mean, it's like this blank slate. You can just go anywhere from there. So right. it's a well, style.
1: Well, if you take shaker and you, you know, inject it with a little beef, a little more action, it then sort of becomes stickly, right? You could almost say it grows up and becomes mission style or stickly style where it's a little bit more masculine. Uh, you're using maybe a quarter sawn white oak or something for, for the, the lumber. And then you could take something like that and watch stickly and mission style evolve, give it a little Asian influence and you have green and green. Right. You know, which is uh leaps and bounds more complex than mission style, uh, but it really is if you if you literally take an Asian influence to mission style, you end up with green and green. So, you know, that's kind of actually a, a journey that I've gone on myself and that's where I'm at is is getting deeper and deeper into the green and green stuff because boy, you can get deep into it. Right, but I'm curious. When, you
2: know, Shaker always has kind of, to me, been like the like the bedrock of um, of furniture design because really, as you said, you can you can start there, mm-hmm. get your base going. Both of you kind of mentioned that you know that you yeah. just you start there, you can build all, everything off of that. Because even Shaker, if you build something where you know you you vary with the grains, you vary with the wood, uh, maybe you add an inlay or something, yeah. it just really kind of takes off, but. Sometimes you know, we used to talk about this like sometimes you just need to just jump all the way in over your head and then come to the top because I've I've heard of people going to like some of the classes all over the place, either Mark Adams or uh uh what Kelly Mailers, mm-hmm. uh where you, where you go in and pretty much you've barely touched tools and you're walking out with like a um a federal card table with inlay and everything else. Right. But I think the main thing though is when it comes to the styles, um, or yeah, to the styles, to, to all the different types of furniture and everything, the main thing is to understand the basics of joinery. Because I think if you do that, then all these other things come around. Because I, I don't—is there really like three styles that you can that that? Uh, well, he's kind of asking if there's like three styles that you you need to perfect before you can really go on to everything else is that what kind of what
1: he was... Yeah, I think I, I'm just taking wow. it as what general styles. I, I don't think right. to, to answer three styles is a little... It's a little bit arbitrary, you know what I mean? Right. Because you could, yeah. taste, you could taste a bunch of different things. Um, you know, I was going to ask you, Shannon, if you thought that there was, you know, we recommended Shaker as a potential starting point. But for me, I think it's a great path if you are heading into green and green, if you do want to extend into maybe more modern furniture designs. So what would you say, is there a natural progression and path to go from Shaker to say... Queen Anne, you know, maybe you want to go backwards a little bit. I was going to say you're stepping back, (laughs) right? But but do you think, in terms of building and complexity, that you can make that natural progression?
3: Well, you know, I think one of the defining elements of Queen Anne is the um, curvilinear style, the S curve or the Cima curve, sima curve. I've never heard how that's pronounced, but that would certainly take your skills up a notch, you know, because you're dropping the square straight lines that you see and. Well, most shaker furniture. There, there are some curves in some shaker furniture, and there's even some turned legs in shaker furniture. But you know, you get the idea. It's mostly straight lines and the occasional taper here and there. Whereas Queen Anne, you know, you've got the scallop style and the. I mean, I think every woodworker should try a cabriole leg at least once. Um, they're a lot of fun to make, and yeah, it's taking a couple steps back, but I think it should be a style because, like you're saying, shaker. You know the natural tendency is to move maybe towards the green and green, bring on the other extreme. I would think like Chippendale would be the extreme of of Queen Anne. You know, True. while it's beefier and heavier, much like Stickley would be. You know, and the the carving and the really ornate kind of baroque styling is very similar to some of the augmentation and embellishment rather that you would see in Green and Green. So yeah, I think it's a it's a nice secondary style. Yeah. Uh, as far as the third one goes. You got me, Wendell Castle. I, I don't know <laughs> something really crazy. Well, don't, don't begin into the,
1: in, into an area where you, you it's about taste at that point because yeah, uh, you I know there so. are some things out there that it's a whole area. I mean, well, green and green is a great example. A lot of people don't like it. They just don't like the way it looks. They don't like the style. Although mm-hmm. there's some really complicated things going on, they're just not interested. So, is it necessary for them to master that? I don't, I don't think so. I think there's a lot of other things they can you know other areas where they could attain those skills and use those skills toward the furniture types they really want to build. Yeah.
3: Right. I mean, you could go from shaker into like a federal style. Cause you still got, well, apple white, you've got a lot of straight lines, but the addition of inlay and banding is yeah. kind of, I mean, that's a different skill altogether. That really kicks it up a notch when you start doing stringing and bellflowers and sure, you know, making your own bandings and stuff like that. But essentially those lines, those neoclassical lines are still very much the same. So I suppose you could take it, you know, churn, tra- down that road, if you will, or you could go lazy boy, and just build like an overstuffed chair with a little <laughs> <You> recliner <go. laughs> that pulls out, and a cup holder built into it. Yeah, a nice poplar
1: Probably. frame or something. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah There absolutely. you go. Plastic green Xbox. Cool. Um, yeah. I mean, you think? Uh, do we need to say anything more about this? I don't want to cut it out, cut it off too short. But yeah, I mean,
3: yeah. I mean, we could go on forever because I'm actually just stupidly looked in the chat room and got distracted because Vic just said neoclassic art deco. My Lord, that's a whole other area. You yeah. Know, yeah. Art deco and art nouveau and all that crazy stuff. So, you know, there's bound to people, people listening to this saying, Hey, this is my favorite style. Why didn't you mention
1: empire? Yeah. yeah. Something like yeah. that.
3: It no. the bottom, <laughs> I mean, the bottom line the- is
1: really any style. If it's, you know, reasonably well-built furniture is going to rely on some basic joinery. And I I think shaker is one of the easiest things that focuses on that joinery without distracting you with other things. You know, so if you want to find a plan and you're looking for something, it's very easy to find those things. That just makes it a good target. Whether anybody likes it or not, you know, doesn't really matter so much. It's a building block, if anything. You just go from there. All right, let's uh, move on to a couple of uh, article or blog posts, just basically things that three of us found in our in our woodworking virtual travels and also reading magazines and things. I'd like to bring your attention to important stuff that we find. Uh, I'm going to go first here. I found an article, and it's more of a, a profile write-up that I thought was very interesting, in Woodworker West. Uh, this is uh, obviously a, a something for us, that the folks that live in the uh, western part of the U.S., but it's actually really good no matter where you live. Although there's some local stuff in it. So anyway. Yeah, I'm in West
2: Michigan. <clears throat> I bet it would work out great for me.
1: It is yeah, well, hey, that works. <laughs> uh, September, October, 2010. It's the latest issue. They have a profile on um the Maloof legacy, it's called. And this is about the Maloof shop, which is still in business and still working. And it just gives you some information about what, what they're doing, how they work, how they used to work prior to uh the you know, Sam passing away and what they're going to do. So I'm just going to read you a little bit of it, not the whole thing, because I want you to go out and buy this magazine if you can. I think they get mad at me otherwise, but uh, (laughs) uh, let me just give you a couple highlights here. It's been 16 months since the passing of Sam Alouf, but his workshop is far from quiet. His longtime assistants, Larry White, 25 years, wow, he's been with him that long. Mike Johnson, 30 years, and David Wade, 21 years, have taken up the mantle of the Maloof legacy and continue to produce furniture of his iconic designs, as well as assuming his speaking and teaching obligations and preparing work for several special Maloof mor- memorial exhibitions. Uh, just a couple interesting things here. In reality, it says, the boys, as Sam referred to them, have long been integral in Sam's woodworking process. While Sam designed and rough cut furniture parts, it was the boys who were left with the more extensive, labor-intensive handwork of shaping, sculpting, sanding, assembling, and finishing to complete the furniture piece. As Sam's physical condition declined, the boys stepped forward to assume more and more of the production responsibilities. And uh, really, it just goes into detail about what these three guys plan to do as far as which pieces they plan to continue to produce. Uh, Apparently there's a lot of options. It says, for example, there are at least 50 templates for each or for side chairs. And Sam did a lot of experimenting in his last five years, trying to push the limits. So they're going to really look at the whole library of work and assess which pieces are going, I guess, maybe the most marketable or the most interesting to them and which ones they want to produce. So really kind of cool if you want to know what's going on with the whole Maloof legacy and how they're going to continue pushing this business forward, even though, you know, we've lost one of the greats. So pretty cool stuff. Woodworker West, that's that's, uh, yeah, September, October 2010, check it out. And especially if you're in the anywhere near the West Coast, you really want to check this out. They're, they always have a, a David Marks, Dealey Wacker article in there where he answers questions and stuff like that. Um, so there's a lot of interesting stuff. It's a, a surprisingly good magazine for its cost. Sweet. Yeah, definitely. So what do you guys have?
2: I'll, I'll go up next. I, um, <laughs> okay. I, I kind of went to uh, – I was just flipping through this the other day because – since I was working on that loft, I haven't had a chance to do much reading either, which is really funny because everybody keeps slanting that I go off to the bathroom and do nothing in there for a while. But <laughs> That's what a PSP is, a... is for, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I play a lot of video games while I'm in there. <laughs> but anyways, the one article that kind of caught my eye, and I think this is the second time that they've done this uh, in, the, in the past six months or something, but the recent issue of Fine Woodworking Magazine, the September-October 2010 issue, they have an article in there which is a, a visit to the design doctor and they uh written by Matt Kenny uh it says hey, Hank Gilpin has the answers for three frustrated furniture makers and it's kind of funny cuz as i was i was kind of reading through this i was thinking you know we just had that that question that came in about the styles to build upon and i think this this kind of goes along with that a little bit because the one thing they did was well just to, the first uh, uh part of the the article says there are two big challenges in furniture making. There's mastering the craft's tools and techniques and developing one sense of design. Many of us spend most, if not all of our time, tackling the first. That's a shame because all the technical skill in the world cannot save an unattractive piece of furniture. And uh, I, I know I'm guilty of this. I Sometimes I'll either over-design pieces, which is really kind of funny because then when you see them at the end, I must just, like, halfway through it go, nope, we're getting rid of that. Nope, we're getting rid of that. <laughs> yeah. With that's a lot of work. I'm not doing that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and go from there. But essentially what they did is they they weeded through. They had to ask people to submit their pieces of furniture uh, uh, for Hank to kind of look over and really kind of critique. And we all know, and they even mentioned this in the article, having somebody critique your pieces, even if you ask for the critiquing, it kind of hurts.
1: Oh, it hurts. It's terrible.
2: I hate it. It is. <laughs> I'm going to admit that. I hate it. Oh yeah, I mean, when when it's one thing. I expect it if my wife's gonna say something, I expect her to say something. <laughs> but when when somebody else says something, that's just like that's fighting words. Even, really yeah, just like I want to grab that, the piece and smash them with it. Even even when you ask for it, it's terrible. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I expect you. If I ever ask you guys, you are never ever to give me your honest opinion. It
1: <laughs> looks great, man. Nice
2: job. <laughs> yeah. That's what you do. What get. do you think about the stucco over here? I had to put that on there permanently. <laughs> um, that's but anyway it's it's pretty neat cause they go, they go through three different things kind of a a a smaller um uh, uh almost not quite a desk or a bookshelf is what it is and uh another one was a uh, uh entertainment center kind of a, a low council entertainment center and then the third one was a as they refer to it a really over designed jewelry case <laughs> and uh it, and he really kind of goes through this and even helps kind of redraw it and show great ideas to help either simplify it or to work with the dimensions so that, you know, everything flows just nicely when you look at it and maybe take a little bit from here and add this or don't go anywhere near that. Um, I always like to go for things that are highlighted because I think if things are highlighted, that's the only thing I need to know from the article. That's how I got through college (laughs) also. That's what they want you to read. So (laughs) Exactly. So they have one little thing. And I'm just going to read a couple of things here that uh, furniture design, uh, the the Gilpin way. And these are a couple of things that he kind of mentioned is, number one, design to please yourself regardless of who the client is. Mm -hmm. Um, Be deliberate about every part. Nothing should be accidental or done after the fact ad hoc design choices look sloppy and out of place which explains 95 percent of mine because that's pretty much what <laughs> i do um and engineer as you design every of construction should be worked out by the time you're done designing and then he kind of goes into also keep control over grain and color which uh, he says that starts at the lumberyard which is true but uh my lumberyard people i don't really have much of a chance to talk with them too much so i think they're know the name, and they just load up the truck and give me a good price. right? Um, But overall, I I think, like I said, this is the second time that they've done something like this. I think it's a a, a neat uh, um, article to do. I don't want to see it every single month because I think it can get kind of tiring after a while. But once in a while, it does kind of grab your attention because as we go along with our projects, we kind of sometimes get that tunnel vision. And occasionally when you see an article like this, I think it helps to kind of shake things up because – You know, I I recognize things that they're talking about in here that I know for a fact that I do. Mm. And, um, you know, this is one of those things I'm going to have to set this aside, dog ear it and come back to it every time I start a project so that I can watch for these things.
1: Well, this to me, this is one of my favorite articles when they have these. I just think they're fantastic because it gives you an idea of, you know, just what a little bit more imagination might do or somebody. A lot of times it really comes down to being I don't know about you guys, but if you design something from scratch, uh, I find it a lot harder to go from scratch to something that's a finished product and be completely happy with it versus maybe taking something that had a someone already did the starting point, you know, they kind of committed it to a particular direction and then I just come in and refine the details. I find it much easier to be the Monday morning quarterback than to actually be playing on Sunday. So Uh-oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, so so when I look at stuff like this, I kind of take it with a grain of salt because you know, as much as I love the improvements, the improvements are fantastic. A lot of the improvements are really just a matter of taste, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and a per, and I will agree, the person who made the changes has good taste. I really like it. But then, you know, so I think a part of this is not just like you know good design rules. It's just this person actually has a really good sort of inventive imagination and an eye for things that just look good. And that may not be something that you can learn necessarily by studying good design or going to a class on design or something. You know, did, did you do did you get that impression with that too?
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. really. When it, the one thing I, I really noticed with is he didn't dramatically change their 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 designs. Like he, said. he just he changed little things in it. So, yeah,
1: little details that just made a big difference. Yeah.
2: Yep. Yeah, little things I know for a fact that I wouldn't think about till afterwards when somebody pointed it out and I go, oh.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good you article. Right. Good find. <laughs> what you got, Shannon? Well,
3: <laughs> I'm gonna pull something off the web. Although, if I may, from the magazine, the one thing I have to say is the last issue of Popular Woodworking. Um, Schwartz's opening, How You Can Save Woodworking, Mm -hmm. um, by starting a blog, I just thought was cool.
1: Yes, Um, it was.
3: You know, I've been blogging for a couple of years, but I just think for a print magazine to say, hey, all you guys go out and create content that, you know, let's put it this way, basically competes with what we're telling you. Mm -hmm. But I just thought that was very cool of a traditional print publication to recognize kind of the the changing of the uh, guard current. It is. It is. Yeah. A
1: it's a little bit. Well, I can't say it's surprising coming from Chris. It's surprising That's coming true. generically yeah. from print, but from Chris, it's not too much of a surprise. He's a he's yeah. a big supporter.
3: Considering he outblogs all of us.
1: Yeah. No, but I'm anyway,
3: um, the the one thing that really grabbed me, and this will probably be as no surprise to anybody, it was a um, hand tool exercise that actually Bob Lang of all people started. The oh, Gottschall really? Block is what he's calling it, and it's interesting because when that post came out. Um, there was a post, I think, on the seventeenth. You know what? I've got the page up. Seventeenth uh, of August, eighteenth of August, it came out with a post saying, "Does anybody have any kind of traditional exercises, skill builders, things like that?" And in in my mind, I was thinking of something I'd seen a while ago in some book that I had and couldn't remind, couldn't figure out anywhere. And lo and behold, Mike Winslow came forward with this. And I actually have this book, um, "Making Antique Furniture Reproductions" by Franklin Gottschall, and. You know, I had gone straight to some of the actual pieces and the projects. Cause there's there's basically measured drawings of mm-hmm. some real classic Duncan Fife, some Queen Anne pieces and things like that. And I had skipped over kind of the how-to at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. And there are there's about twenty pages in the beginning of the book on basic fundamental techniques. And one of them is this um this block. And it's it's a four-quarter piece of stock. It's three and a half inches wide, seven and a half inches long. And there's actually um, a SketchUp drawing on the – well, it's probably in the warehouse, in the popular woodworking warehouse by now. But if you go to the blog on August 19th, you can download a SketchUp drawing there. And all it is is just a series of rabbits, some stop dados, a through mortise, um, kind of a radius piece, a chamfer on one end. And there's a couple of dados on it. And at first it looks like, why are you doing more than one dado? But there's um, kind of a side grain dado and an ingrain dado. Um, And – the only thing that's not on there is a tenon and, and a dovetail. And actually, if you go to the original text, that's the next thing he talks about is making tenons and making dovetails. But it's a really interesting exercise in laying out and doing very basic joints using nothing but really a chisel. Right. Um, and I just think it was a really cool exercise. This kind of thing where you just take a little block and you do something with it um, – I went through this when I went to um, the Canthus workshop with Chuck Bender. He had us take like a block that, you know, he had, you know, tortured, handed us this like beat up block and said, flatten it, you know, square it on all six sides and then inlay a diamond into the top of it. And it's just a tiny little block. And I use it as a sanding block now in my shop, but it was an incredibly valuable exercise. Mm-hmm. Just simple little things like squaring up that block by hand. And what's nice about this is it's small enough that you're not going to be spending all day trying to flatten and get a parallel side and a square edge and all that stuff. But the, and Bob has moved on. I think there's three or four posts on it now on um, the layout side of things and how to lay it out and different layout techniques. It's just a really good kind of woodworking 101. good place to start. True. And, you know, it's one of those things where everybody's got a small little block <laughs> that you could go out and spend a few hours just playing around with it and build your skills. I love that kind of stuff. Right. So, Oh,
1: or very just, cool. Yeah. yeah, I saw I a saw mention of it. I didn't read too much into it, but now I think I'm going to have to go check that out. Yeah, yeah it's it does pretty look
2: cool. Like a pretty cool, though. Oh, we said uh, uh, Jinx. Jinx. <laughs>
3: <laughs> all right frankly i'm just ticked that he thought of it before i did because frankly i've been trying to think of like a basic hand tool exercises to do as a podcast for years and i've just never gotten around to it Yeah, <laughs> i'm just ticked that he got me to it first bob beat you to it
2: just yeah. wait three months and then you can claim it's yours don't worry about it use a different block of wood
1: <laughs> well no
2: because in three months That's how i get a lot of my inspiration week. from mark
1: there you go that's what I do. Just copy. All right. So we also wanted to pick out things from the forum, right, to anything interesting or compelling that came up. And, uh, Shannon, you found a topic on avoidance behavior, which just sounds like a great title. So uh, tell us why you thought this was good to talk about.
3: Well, uh, one of the members, Bobby Slack, started this. And you know, it started out with the idea of, you know, I've got these plans to build things, and I find myself spending more time, like, Pouring over plans or figuring out the best way to do this technique or spending a lot of time examining what I'm going to build. And and I think I'm going to go this direction. And then I read something and I say, oh, no, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to cut the dovetails that way. Or, um, you know, I'm going to build the runners in that chest this way. And then you read an article in a magazine, because that's what the magazines do is basically throw out 20 different viewpoints And now with the internet, I mean, you go to finewoodworking.com and you can see, well, as I saw in carving a ball and claw foot, I found like six different articles on finewoodworking.com alone on how to carve a ball and claw foot. And, you know, I have books all over the place that I started digging through and then you start Googling things. And before you know it, you've spent like a week you know, agonizing over how to cut a tenon on this particular piece. <laughs> right. And, you know, I, it, it's not to say just go down to the shop and start cutting stuff. You know, that's a good way to waste wood. But I I feel myself falling into this trap all the time. We just have so much information at our fingertips that you get, you know, paralyzed by analyzing all these different ways to do it. And you find yourself almost making excuses. Well, I'm going to build that as soon as I have a bandsaw. I can't build that until I have a router table, you know. Yeah, and yeah yeah, best tool for the job makes sense. I mean, you're not going to want to necessarily do raised panels without a table saw or without a router. Um, It can be done, but it's not as much fun to do with a jack plane. (laughs) Well, no, that's not true. It's a lot more fun to do with a jack plane, but it takes a little bit more patience than trying to do it with a raised panel bit or the table saw, you know? And I I see it time and again, I hear it all the time with guys saying, well, I'm going to, eventually I'm going to work my way to that, or I can't build that yet because I don't have this tool or, I don't know how to cut dovetails yet, and like I said earlier in, in this episode, you know, dovetails is one of those things that, you know, it's not easy, but it's really not that hard. Right? You know, just go do it. Go grab two blocks of wood and a saw, and and go at it. And it's amazing what happens when you actually start to put the tool to wood. It just kind of works, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I think that. You know, we're own. we are our own worst enemies with all this information. So do some research, dig around, basically just stay on the Wood Talk online forum. You find everything you need there.
1: (laughs) Pretty much right. If you don't see it there, ask it because somebody knows the answer. Mm -hmm.
3: Seriously, ask it, and you'll get like 400 responses. It's <laughs> yeah. up with that adoption. That forum adoption's out of this world. Yeah, I know. We've, we've got is more.
1: It... Usually you leave one platform and go to another. You wind up losing, you know, like 50% or more of the people. We wound up not only getting as many people as we used to have on Ning, but I think we've beat that number at this point. So um, I don't know. Maybe it's the free stuff I was giving away. But uh, I wanted to say that, you know, it's kind of interesting because this is – this talk about avoidance behavior this is almost the result of what chris is talking about it's almost information overload and the more right. people who go out there and do blog and explain what their process is and share their their process with the community is just creating one more place with one more piece of information to I don't want to say muddy the water but it's more stuff out there for us to, to kind of have to pour through when we're looking for info on a technique so I guess I mean it's still a good thing to have too much information and you just kind of have to figure out which one you want to actually which advice you actually want to take it's a good problem to have but ultimately I can see how that could be a problem for sure yeah well Absolutely. if you think about
3: it think about any anytime somebody's gone to, to a class or to one of the schools and they come back and they've got this great new way to you know, cut mortise and tenon. Well, that's because of the guy that's running the class who's, you know, been cabinet making for 30 some years, taught them how to do this. And now it's like, this is the way to cut a mortise and tenon. And then you go to another class and somebody else tells you how to cut another way. And suddenly that's the way to do it. And yeah. people go out and blog it and say, this is, I will never cut a mortise and tenon differently. I'll always do it, you know, this method. And, you know, for the person who's never cut one before and says, how do I cut a mortise and tenon? right you got right. all these guys saying this is the best way in the world they'll never get any better you're like okay i'm gonna do it that way and then you read the next post you're like okay i'm gonna do it that way right so it's it's tough you know use the the only thing i'll say is do it every way you know what if you really want to learn to cut a mortise tenon, go down to the shop try it that way and then try it the next way you know cut it pins yeah. first and tails first <gasps> oh, i said it how dare I said
1: you it. I, at- uh, I, I actually had this uh, kind of a funny story i had a uh annoying jerk wad uh, email me this uh, this weekend sometime and made a comment. Sorry, stop yeah, emailing Mark Matt. Yeah, <laughs> it it matched your email address. I thought maybe somebody hacked your account, Matt. But now that I know it was you, uh, it was Aiden. You're off my Christmas card list. But anyway, so you're still on mine. <laughs> so yeah, so this this uh, this turd bucket emails me and says that basically um, because I show so many different types of joinery or so many different types to make a particular joint that I'm struggling with joinery and that they find it amusing how I struggle with joinery and that he prefers like when he watches Frank Klaus, Frank Klaus knows the right way to make that joint. And I'm like, no, Frank Klaus is old and set in his ways. He's, you know, great at what he does. He likes what he does. He found what works for him and that's what he does, you know, but that doesn't mean that that's the only way to do it. So it was just really, to me, I found, you know, what I consider a feature of our site is the open-mindedness that there may be another way, God forbid, another way to do something that, you know, maybe it's faster, maybe it's slower, I don't know. But the point is to expose people to all these different options and let them choose what works best for them. But anyway, I just wanted to call that person a a turd bucket and a jerkwad publicly just (laughs) because it makes me feel better. So... So the point yeah. is,
3: go to the forum, look at the avoidance behavior string because there's a bunch of replies to it. And there's a yeah. lot of good stuff in there.
1: It's good. It's real good.
3: And then I go to your it, shop
2: you, and build something. Avoidance behavior is when you know that you messed up the bottom of your hand plane, but you don't want to bring it up to Chris, but you want to find out what's wrong with it. That's avoidance <laughs> behavior. When you you pace back and forth in front of the bench for like a half an hour talking to yourself. <laughs>
1: <Right>? <laughs> nice. All right. So what do you got? It looks like you had something here, Matt.
2: Yeah, it was just – I thought this was kind of a neat thing. Um, uh, Aaron B. brought this up in, in the forum, and essentially what it is, the discussion was table saws, granite versus ca- cast iron table uh, tops. Mm. And he wants to know what the pros and cons of going from granite to cast iron is. Now, I think this is kind of funny because this is really almost um, a de-evolution because what cast iron has been around for how long? I mean, that was that's pretty much the standard. Sure. And then now you have somebody like Steel City. In fact, I think Aaron said that he has a um, a, a rigid table saw, the ones with, with the granite, and he's looking to go to a uh, saw stop which has the the cast iron. And he was kind of like, you know, well, what really are the pros and cons? And this really kind of caught my eye because obviously, I think by now everybody knows that I have my new table saw, which happens to be a, a granite topped one, right. and having the cast iron going to the, the granite top to me it, it's it, i won't say there, there's night and day because i haven't used it enough i i think to be quite honest with you um they're pretty much identical when it comes to tolerances and all that good stuff and also people are worried and it was brought up in the, the discussion also about you know like oh I, what if i drop the tool on it you know granite's more likely to break and everything but then somebody else pointed out you know well cast iron can shatter too you know it just yeah. you, you have the right force and everything else so what, really what it kind tools of
3: are you carrying up that high that are that heavy that you're dropping on your table saw? You don't
1: that's carry 200 pound anvils around your shop at chest height <laughs> cuz that's yeah. what I do all the time yeah, I, had, I was thinking, right over see, my table saw. I
2: have that engine block um, uh, <laughs> jack around. So when I'm moving myself around, I might drop me on it. That was always my concern is if I tripped and fell on one of those wings, I guarantee it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez.
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes but, I, I set my joiners on the right side of the room. Sometimes I feel like seeing what it looks like on the left side of the room. So I jack it up. I hoist it over the table saw and I drop it on the left side. I mean, these things can happen. Right, usually well, when, why you construction
2: <laughs> workers standing on the wing, too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, my friends and I are over. We're shot putting the 25-pounders versus the 10-pounders. Uh, sometimes they get hit. We, you know, what I'm really kind of interested is um, over the summer, one thing I had, and this is another one of those to show how busy I've been. I got a brand-new 8-inch joiner, and it's one of the granite uh, uh, joiners. And so... I'm really, that one kind of makes me nervous because it's extended out. The the, the bed is extended out considerably more than the wings of my table saw. Mm -hmm. And that's the one that I'm like, I'm, I'm really nervous about that, but... Uh, so far, I've only hit it once with the car and nothing has happened. And that's a true story. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm assuming this joiner is in your garage and not in the basement because uh, half of it's stronger. in the basement and the other half's in the garage. Guess which part's in the garage? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, the heavier part, I would imagine. Nice. Yes,
2: exactly. But joiner, yeah, so, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I was really, really excited about it, and, and I'm still a little nervous about where exactly it's going in the basement. Cause I don't know if I have the room for it. Something's going to have to get moved around. But luckily, everything's on casters. Oh, man. Uh, basement basement but, shops. I have a thirty thirty six inch joiner, but it's made out of wood and has a wedge. Wow, <laughs> 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 like uh, no. Anyway, I'm I'm not going to get into length issues because I always lose. So, anyways, though, um, thirty six inch wood. Uh, Sorry, that's just <laughs> that's I did that's it. terrible. I did it again. Uh, but but anyway, the the main thing with this one is I I just think it's really kind of interesting this this granite versus cast iron. It, like I said, it's almost de-evolution. But really, yeah. when it comes down to it, um, I, you're not going to lose either way. It's you're gonna you're gonna get an, an excellent surface to work with. So sure, yeah, cool. definitely. And I know a lot of people are very very uh, uh, they they feel very uh, uh, pr- passionate. Almost said professional. <laughs> they feel very passionate about the surfaces, but. Eh. I well, say let,
1: I like it. Well, let me ask looks, you this, having used one and have some experience with it. I mean, if this was really something that was going to take the woodworking world by storm, we would have seen a lot more companies offering one and and doing this and moving in that direction, but it seems almost clear that that they either don't want to or the market hasn't justified going into that deeper. Is this just going to be a really sort of like obscure side thing that some companies will offer and some won't, or do you think this is on its way to to actually being a big success and every company is going to have one version that they make with the, with the granite.
2: As of right now, my, my, my true opinion about this is it's, it's just kind of a blip on the radar. I, I think it's just like, just to make themselves stand out. Um, Really, I, I, I don't see huge benefits uh, versus the cast iron. The, the only thing I can think of, there's two things I can think of right offhand. Number one, I can set a cold can of pop on the uh, surface and not worry about it. Well, that's a great reason, Matt. That's awesome. <laughs> it is because I, I do it all the time. <laughs> and uh, number two, it is, um, it, it's a little bit heavier, so I notice the saw doesn't vibrate nearly as much as i think um a comparable one would with the cast iron
0: Mm, okay
2: but other than that i seriously don't see it suddenly becoming like any type of standard somewhere down the road i i really think it's just kind of a a blip on the radar
1: okay is
3: anybody doing it besides steel city and rigid granite i mean
2: i don't i don't think so those are the only two i know of if they are they're not
1: making a big deal about it because i haven't really seen much other than those two
2: right because i think Because Steel City, really
3: probably the only update I paid attention to from IWF this year was Steel City came out with a new saw where the wings attach at the miter slot. So there's no little seam there where the wings normally are. Mm. So you're not having to spend forever trying to get that perfectly level Mm. and get the seam perfectly flush. Their little innovation was have the miter slot actually be kind of cut in half and the wing attaches to that. And that was all cast iron. So I'm thinking – Steel City may have ditched their granite idea. Yeah,
1: they're just moving on. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, so the the joint yeah. in the miter slot, I mean, really it's not going to save you much unless it like pre registers on something. You know what I mean? Like it's still, right. you're still going to have to level it. And now yeah. it might even be harder to level because now they're three quarters of an inch apart. Right. <laughs> you know, so how do you, it might actually make, I don't know. All right. I don't want to, P on, on their parade <laughs> no. here but
2: we're going to move on to the engineering tangent now <laughs> and uh All right,
1: well let's let's uh let's talk about something we all know something about spending money and I think we've got some sweet deals you guys threw most of these in here. I'll take the the last one so I'll let you guys uh hit the ones you threw on the
2: list. All right. Well, uh up right now we have Highland Woodworking and uh, uh I just heard from the folks over there they have the Earlex HV3500 HPLP spray system. I like it. Yeah, that's what I heard. I heard Mark would definitely know about this one. So if you have any questions, don't hesitate to ask Mark. In fact, go to this chat room right now. Ask him. Yeah, please. Uh, But anyways, it's coming in at $129.99, and I do believe that is definitely a a big price reduction over what they had. I'm I'm not sure what the original one was. I I forgot to write that down. Um, (laughs) And then the other thing they have going on, again, this is Highland Woodworking. They have a Triton 10-inch sliding miter saw, and they have that on sale right now for $199.99. Um, So head on over there and uh, tell them uh, the guys from Wood Talk Online Radio sent you. That'll throw them (laughs) off a little bit because they don't know anything about that right now. They'll they'll (laughs) say who?
1: All right, never mind.
2: (laughs) They must be competing with Wood Talk. That's really bad they took their name. (laughs) Um, And then uh, one other thing I threw up on here was uh, uh, Eagle America's having their huge cutting tool sale, which is save up to an additional 20% on all router bits, shaper cutters, and saw blades, including sets and clearance items. Hurry up because the sale ends. September 15th and that's 2010. So if you listen to this 2011, you're late. Sorry. Yeah. 2000 late. That's not so great.
1: No. Um oh, it this is me now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm really I don't think I had any deals. I'm good at I this job, aren't I? I just got an email recently and I will leave the person uh, nameless because I'm not really sure about this. He said that it's a friends and family sale at Sears and, and I didn't get a response with my question, but I figured this was worth mentioning. It's uh, on Saturday, September 11th, they're having the online portion, and I believe on the 12th it's in stores. There's a lot of fine print on this, and it's a friends and family sale, yet this link takes you to this little VIP section of their website where they're advertising this sale. So I, I don't really know for sure, but it's like a big deal, and if you like Sears and uh, Craftsman, craftsmen, um, <laughs> you may want to – uh, I shouldn't have done that. Was, uh, probably Lord, Lord Look sent that to you. Didn't. <laughs> yeah, this definitely is not from Lord Look. I can guarantee that. Uh, but anyway, so if this is something that, you know, legally or fairly or whatever you're entitled to go to, it's a friends and family. Hey, we're all friends, aren't we? So, I mean, technically, I guess you qualify. So I'll put the link in the show notes, and you could check that out. Again, it's Saturday, September 11th, big sale, uh, Craftsman Tools, and, and lots of other stuff. Sears sells quite a bit of stuff and there's actually stuff that's up to 20% off in addition to their sale prices so
2: it is what it is sweet I can get my tires rotated too
1: there you go there you go if you're friends and family at least All right, we're going to move on to some voicemails and we've got a couple here and we're going to try to answer them if we can Uh, our first one is from Aaron in Missouri that's where Nicole's from that's why she talks funny and uh, (laughs) he's got a question about chisels
0: hi
3: Mark and Matt this is Aaron from Troy, Missouri. I have a question.
2: My question is, what is the difference between bench chisels and bevel chisels? And
3: which, which is, for a beginning woodworker, what should I get to put on my workbench to start off with? Um, or it doesn't matter. You guys do a great job on the show. I appreciate it, and uh, thank you very much. Have a good
1: day.
2: Okay. all right
1: now i bevel. listened i listened to that first though and it took me about four times to figure out what the second thing he said was i'm like what is a bell chisel <laughs> and I, I even googled it i'm like this must be something i don't know about like how he made two very large classifications of chisels here when why can i not find anything on bell chisels and i was like oh dummy he's saying bevel chisels
2: i'm assuming right is that what you guys heard that's that's what i Maybe right. it's a Midwestern thing. I totally picked right up on it. And, <laughs> okay. You know, they're kind of Midwestern. I should have had
1: Nicole translate. She she's not here today. <laughs>
2: i was just gonna say, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Aaron.
1: We don't mean to make fun of you. You don't even have an accent. But anyway, go ahead.
2: Yeah, there, he doesn't have an accent to most of us. Um, but anyways, though, so bevel chisels, bench chisels, really, it's the same thing as tomato, tomato. It's at least as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. It, it, they're they're pretty much identical. Um. It, as far as, I'm, as far as I'm concerned, I'm going to repeat that one more time. Uh, bench chisels is just a, a common phrase that refers to the chisels that a workman, a craftsperson might normally have literally sitting on their bench. Yeah. And a bevel chisel is just a, a, another term for it. Oftentimes it's it's given that term because when you look at the chisel, the sides have that nice little bevel rather than the metal just going straight all the way down. So some people say, well, you know, the, the bevel-edged ones, the nice thing about that is you can get in, you can do dovetails with them. It gives you a wide assortment of things you can do with it. Really bevel or bench, again, it's it's interchangeable. They're just the the common everyday chisel. And that's the ones that I would always recommend to somebody if they're getting their first set of chisels. Get yourself a really nice set of Uh, bench chisels or bevel use whatever phrase and (laughs) you can do pretty much anything you can do dovetailing with it you can chop mortises out with it you can you you can do a little paring work or some people will say pairing pairing Um, say it right Matt. uh coke uh you you use a bell chisel for paring that's right that's right i forgot (laughs) that's what those are for
1: now i know (laughs)
2: <laughs> but that—that's—that's that's pretty much it. So, uh, if you want to get yourself a nice uh, wood beginner set, go with the bevel bench chisels, and you won't lose on that. Yeah, that what sounds do you good. think?
1: Now, here's the question: Do they have non-bevel? I mean, I, pretty much every set of bench chisels I see is a beveled edge. You know, chisel. It's, I can't imagine using one that's not. I know some pairing chisels and things will have a little bit less of a bevel, but they still look like they're beveled. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. The older
3: style would, without the bevel be known as a firmer chisel. Ah, firmer. Um, But, you know, I don't know what actually made the transition to bevel edge. Maybe it was just they needed thinner steel or what. But firmer chisels, I think, originally were French. So maybe the regular bench, bevel edge bench chisels, maybe that was English. I don't know. I I think it was uh,
2: the, the bevel edge was like the granite top of the time. And it just took off. <laughs>
1: that's what it was. It just it, it <laughs> spread around the uh, world, and everybody said, "This is it. This is the way we're yeah, going."
2: It, it was fashionable. That's what all the cool woodworkers were using at the time, and they <laughs> said, "Well, I'm cool, so we're just going to keep this one rolling."
1: Yeah, I mean, I, at this point, I can't really see any good justification for not having, you know, beveled chisels. So, I mean, if he's getting he, he, any major set, he goes and looks at is probably going to be beveled, and that's just the way things are. I mean, that's all yeah. I own.
2: Yeah, I, I, it's easily probably the majority of chisels out there, regardless, are bevel of some sort. So yeah, yeah. bevel bench. Yep, bench bevel. Okay, jack. same thing.
1: Word up! All right, let's go to hey, no, our buddy Roberto. He's got a question about bamboo. Ooh.
3: Hey guys, how's it going? This is uh, Roberto from New Mexico. I wanted to know if you guys have ever worked with bamboo. Uh, my wife saw these cool little uh, cutlery boxes. Uh, inside some storms. She wants me to build a few of them. And I've never worked with bamboo wood, but I wanted to know if you guys have any tips on Is will I have to buy a certain saw blade for that? I mean, will everything work? Will I need carbide? A certain tooth count for people saw blades? Uh, let me know. Thanks.
1: Okay. I I would say, you know, for something like this, I've first of all never really worked with bamboo. It's just not something I come across very often. I don't know very many dealers around here that even carry it and if I wanted to get like bamboo ply or something, it's insanely expensive. Um, So it's really not something I've had the opportunity to work with very often, but from what I understand, it works really well and that it's not actually very hard on the tools at all, at least just the little digging around that I did. Um, You guys let me know if you've heard anything different than that. Uh, but you know, very, I w-
3: very soft and it splits very easily. Well, I, like I, the only thing I've done with bamboo is tweak a fly rod.
1: Okay. <laughs> I had an old fly rod I
3: restored. Right. And, it, you know, you had to cut the chamfers on the backside to get it to line up perfectly. And it was like, you know, working with butter, it just oh. kind of yeah. comes apart. The one thing with cutting it, again, the only thing I've ever done is really small pieces, but mm-hmm. you needed a very fine toothed saw to do it.
1: Is that for yeah. splintering and things?
3: Yeah. And okay. I, now, actually, when I did it, I used one of those little cutoff wheels on a Dremel because it was already formed and I was cutting the end off the rod itself. But, um, you know, bamboo ply or bamboo that, you know, stuff that's all glued together in a plank. I imagine that would work just the same as any other, you know, composite.
1: Yeah. Sure, sure. Uh, you know, I do have a link here uh, for you, Roberto. If you go to net They have a good forum there, and it's actually pretty cool. Information and resources on the art and craft of growing, using, working with, and enjoying bamboo. So I think if you're looking for information there, talk to the people who know all about it, and maybe you can find a good resource for it as well, because I think that may be one of your initial challenges is finding a reasonably priced resource.
3: The only other thing I will say, and if you can get in touch with them, I believe Kaleo, Kaleo Kala has done work with bamboo before. That okay. sounds like his type of gig. Sure, yeah. You know so what else I want? You can was? always email Kaleo at, what's it, Kaleo, Kala, studio. Kala, studio, Kala
1: Studios, I think is, yeah, I think so. That yeah, sounds about yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. but I, I'd still, where's, where's my
2: uh, birch beer or root beer? Yeah, <sighs> I was kind of wondering about that, too. Every day I come home looking for a package. <laughs> where's and, my
1: six-pack, Kaleo? What's up,
2: <laughs> dude?
1: Well, my, my. We're calling
2: you out, man, right here on, on Wood Talk Online Radio.
1: That's right, yeah. <laughs> Root beer. All right, let's 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 uh, move on here. Um, we got another one, and this one is from Mike. And let me find it. Here we go.
2: Good afternoon, gentlemen. I am brand new to woodworking. My name's Mike from Jersey, and uh, I just inherited a whole lot of hand tools from my grandfather, and they're very, very rusty. I was thinking about doing electrolytic uh, rust removal. Use it at work. Uh, There's a pretty good article on on uh, instructables.com. Wondering what your thoughts on uh, that would be. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Wow, I don't know about you, but that guy's accent was so thick I didn't understand a word he said. Was that wussy or rusty?
1: His accent was terrible. And and you know I understand you know you're from Jersey. He's probably Italian. It's probably got a lot of hair, but honestly, electrolysis is probably one of the more painful ways to remove hair. I think you should look into laser.
2: I would say so. My my my. Uh, I have a uh, cousin who has to get hair removed across her lip, and let me tell you, I am out of there when she starts. It's <laughs> ugly.
1: Yo. <laughs> all right, let's be uh, <laughs> let's be serious here.
2: Uh, so electro anyway. electrolytic
1: <laughs> rust removal. First of all, I- I'm going to say right now, I know nothing about this. Did you guys ever try this or have any information? Because there's plenty of info. Talk about info overload. There's plenty of this. Uh, you know tutorials and things about the process, but what do you think about it compared to other rust removal methods?
2: This is one that I'm I'm planning on trying coming up pretty soon. I, I really just want to give it a shot. I'm thinking about just taking a single blade. And giving it a shot because I figure if I do it in a small amount, there's less of a chance of me uh, electrocuting myself. Because the forums, one forum will tell you, oh, it's really easy. There's no problem with it. It Gets done real quickly. And then another forum will tell you uh, you have a good chance of burning your whole house down and killing everybody in it. Um, but I think in a controlled situation, the majority of them what I'm seeing is it, it it's relatively uh, easy to do and it gets the job done pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so that those are the ones I'm going with because I'm, I'm a bit of an optimist. See, um, I've
3: heard somewhat of the opposite. Well, at least in the situation he's talking about where he's got really rusty tools. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard that it's kind of slow when you've got a whole bunch of rust on it, but it's usually for like light surface rust and scaling that's what Aaron um, and, and you know, actually the too. forums jumping all over this and I'll second them a vapor rust that stuff is awesome oh and yeah I don't think it's at all caustic Um, Hmm, so I don't know there's something about hooking a car battery up sticking something (laughs) in water that just freaks me out a little
2: bit I don't know if it doesn't burn my nose hairs I don't think it's working
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's I'm reading some of the comments here in the chat room too a lot of people have tried it they said it works and most are saying that it is a slow process so maybe he's going to go for you know a more heavy duty chemical solution I guess the uh, is it a Vapo or a Rust? I've never used that either
2: Yes, it might be a good one to use, like in combination, like really just get the, get the major stuff off, and then if there's like you know there always seems to be like a little pitting here and there or something, and mm-hmm. if you really are obsessed and need to have it you know completely clean, maybe that that's a good alternative then to come in and finish it up that way. I, I happen to like molasses too. Um, that one <laughs> didn't we so... talk about that one time? You did that. <laughs> we did. I think I still actually have the molasses in the uh, <laughs> workshop right now, trying to get the rest of the rust off that mm-hmm. one blade. So <laughs> delicious. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. All right. Well, we've got a couple tips from our contributors, Tom and uh, and Carrie. And what do we want first here? We want Tom's tip first.
2: Get everybody yeah, warmed let's, up. L- yeah, let's, let's get Tom out of the way and leave the good stuff for the end. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't
1: don't oh, tell Tom. Sorry. He's going to get upset. He's going to send a bad hurricane your way. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Tom's tip. Get ready to put on your dancing shoes. Tom's tips. That's right, I said Tom's Tips. I didn't say Tom's Lips. I said Tom's Tips. Hello everyone, it's Tom Iavino from Tom's Workbench, and it's time for another one of Tom's Tips. Before you start a big woodworking project, say like a big cabinet job, be sure you begin with the basics. You know, you have a place to store all the materials. How about the
3: assembled parts of the project? If your shop is a little lacking in size, see if you can't find another part of your home, or a dupes, I I mean a neighbor's home, where you can stash the goodies during construction. You'd be surprised just how fast your available space dwindles. Are you looking for a good time? That involves woodworking? Hey, who isn't? You can connect with woodworkers from around the corner or around the world at the Wood Talk Online community. Just visit woodtalkonline.com and
1: let the fun begin. Yeah, Tom's so throwing did, in a little bit. Did you flight. already send him that $20 or do I need to? <laughs> Oops, almost played that again. Uh no, he he's only $5, please. Oh, okay. Whoops, we don't make enough money with this show. We don't make any money with this show. So <laughs> he's the
2: only one making money with this show apparently. <laughs> right, the entire $5 we
1: get goes to Tom. Um All right, thank you for that tip, Tom. You know, we always appreciate it. We love you. You're a gorgeous man. All right, let's go to uh Carrie's tip because she's always got a a great one too
3: all out of ideas for a new project suffering from woodworkers block wishing your spouse would give you a dreaded honeydew list look at me (laughs) snap out of it you're a woodworker so head to a place that features feats of woodworking some favorite places that help bolster my brain cells are museums and antique stores there you will find lots of pieces to inspire and invigorate. And by the end of the day, you'll be itching to get into your shop. So don't despair if your woodworking idea well has run dry. Visit an antique store or museum. And if there aren't any nearby, visit your local library. Old stuff is
1: cool.
2: Old stuff is cool. All right, That's what my kids say about me. They call you old stuff? <laughs> yeah, they call it old stuff is cool.
1: What's up, old stuff?
2: <laughs> yeah. And then they start arguing amongst each other. No, he's not old stuff. We're talking about the guy next door.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, cool. Good tip there. Thank you, Tom and Carrie. By the way, that's tomsworkbench.com where you can find out more stuff about Tom and all the stuff that he talks about. And uh, Carrie's site is uh, the Village Carpenter. Is, does she have the villagecarpenter.com or com? Does she have the actual URL? Let me check. A
2: villagecarpenter.blogspot.com. Village More car. than positive, that's the right one.
1: I'm trying it. It's loading, but it's not loading. Nope, it worked. Nope, it worked, and it's not her site. So.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah gonna villagecarpenter.blogspot.com. Oh, I'm going to go snatch it up if she
1: doesn't. It's <laughs> worth a lot of money. <laughs> and then sell
2: it back to her so we can have money for uh, Wood Talk Online <laughs> yeah, Radio. So yeah. we can pay
1: Tom. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, villagecarpenter.blogspot.com. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Tom. We appreciate it, both of you. Definitely. Um, and you know what, guys? I think that just about wraps up this uh, this episode. I think we're done. Oh, my gosh. A-
2: Can you believe it? Ooh, that was less painful than electrolysis.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. And, uh, <laughs> and this one actually puts hair on your chest instead of taking In it off. In more ways
2: than one. <laughs> All right, so I probably should give uh, people information because we know we're going to get some hate mail off this episode. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. You have a couple of different ways you can get a hold of us. You can email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com or you can pick up the phone and leave us a message on our voicemail at 623-242-2450. And, of course, we have those Twitter addresses. You know, I'm going to hold that one off because you guys are definitely going to just let us have it tomorrow or whenever you listen to this. It's going to get ugly. But we are (laughs) on the Facebook, too. I just want to point that out. The Facebook. And of course you need to stop by the forum at woodtalkonline.com because all the stuff we've been talking about today at one point or another has been on the forum will be on the forum or should be on the forum so maybe you can be the one that brings it up.
1: Yeah, it's a good time. Definitely go there. I like I said, I mean it's it's it, you would think in today's day and age a forum just wouldn't explode like that because we've got so many other ways to communicate. But, man, people are really digging it. So head over there and uh, hang out with everybody. See what's That's happening. That's
3: right. Write something. We might talk about you. We just
1: gotcha. might. You know, we may even start doing, like, if, if we can actually get people to uh, to supply us with the stuff, we could do little prizes. And, you know, if we pick your thread to talk about on the show, you get a little something-something.
2: That's right. Yeah. We could we give you Tom's money. I was going to say, <laughs> just
1: write <laughs> to Tom. And he'll send you $5. <laughs> there you go. We've got this 5 bucks to, you know, it's burning a hole in our pockets, apparently. <laughs> so... (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us. Thanks to the chat room. And uh, Matt and Shannon, thank you both for hanging out with me. And we'll catch you next time. Definitely. Take care, everyone. There you go. Nice job, guys. Sweet. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.